welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode 94. We'd like to share with you our Sunday worship service for November 25th, 2018. The lesson title is Prayer. It is the eighth of the series Inside Out, which takes us through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Let God be in charge. So our scripture today is Matthew 6, 8. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus says this to the people, and the people might have wondered, well then, what's the, what's the point? I mean, over and over again, the Sermon on the Mount, the idea is a reversal. At some point or another, we are given some kind of switcheroo. Don't do it that way. Do it a different way. Don't think about it that way. There's another way, a healthier way to think about it. And this is a great example, because in this moment, Jesus says, don't pray about the stuff you need. God already knows about that. Then what do I pray about? That's what I'm used to, Jesus. I'm used to the idea that I'm supposed to give God my shopping list. And oh, by the way, we need disposable diapers and bread and blah, 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 blah. And Jesus says, God knows about all of those things before you ask. So let's put that in a different way. I mean, what kind of a God is it if I have to remind God to get soda on the way home? Small God, small miracles, right? And so over and over again, we are asked to have a bigger idea of God, an idea of God that goes beyond the things that we need. A long time ago, I was the associate minister of a different church, and part of my job was picking up the phone. And someone would call almost every day. She would call and want to pray with somebody. Well, I'm in to pray with somebody business. That's just fine with me. Didn't occur to me until a while into it that every day she'd call and ask for me. Very flattered. There's a little bit of ego thing. I'll own that. I'm using the stuff I went to school for. You know, that kind of a thing. But uh, I realized that she was praying over some things that maybe we didn't need to pray about. She would pray one time. She ordered a pizza and then called me to pray that the order would be correct. <laughs> <laughs> that happened. One time, she called and she said, my husband's been gone for 20 minutes at the grocery store. I want to pray that he comes back. And I really felt like saying, he's hiding from me. <laughs> but the day I finally snapped a little bit, uh, she said, we ordered a mattress. And it wasn't the right size for the box spring. We had to send it back and We've ordered another mattress, and I just want you to pray with me and God that this new mattress will be the right size. I said, ma'am, you don't need prayer. You need a tape measure. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. And that's the thing. If you get a splinter in your finger, you can pray about it, or you can reach for the tweezers. There's stuff that you need to do that you just need to do. You don't have to pray for oxygen to happen or gravity to keep you from spinning off into space or whatever. There are things that we pray about and things that we do not need to pray about. And to the degree that we stay in the need space, the important things, the exciting things, the adventurous things get left aside. The things that make us human, that define our experience and give beauty to our lives get ignored because we're busy praying about Wonder Bread. And there's no wonder in it. You deserve a wonderful life. Let me just drive that fun right into the ground, right? But you deserve that. You deserve a life that is exciting. And prayer that works. 
So here's the thing. If you're praying and your prayer doesn't work, if it feels clunky, if you're praying and there's no results and it's just not happening, ask yourself in that moment of analysis, am I praying about needs or am I praying about dreams? Because needs, God has handled already. Maybe, maybe, if I'm praying about need stuff, maybe I'm getting in God's way. Maybe I'm let, not letting God do what God is here to do. Maybe I'm so caught up in the details. And God, let me tell you how to do this. Let me tell you, God, how gravity works. Think about it. That's a lot of prayers. Maybe not that specific equation, but you know exactly what I mean. God, let me tell you how to fix me when I'm the one who broke me in the first place. Let me tell you how to do it, God. Your Father knows what you need before you ask, so maybe we need to get into a different line of work. Here's the thing. Needs, everybody's got them. I'm not telling you not to need things. Everybody's got bills to pay. Everyone would like to have lunch later today. All of that. It's okay to have those things in your life. It's just not okay to let those things define you because needs are boring. I'm sorry. Money is boring. You ever been around somebody that all they can talk about is money? It's boring whether they've got so much and all they want to talk about is how amazing having a gold-plated everything is or people that don't have anything and they just want to talk about how they don't have anything. Money is a boring topic. Needs are boring. I'm sorry. They are. You're excited. So maybe it's time for a different What would, I, what would you do if I handed you a big old bucket of money if you won the lottery? Would you talk about the money or would you do something exciting? Would you stop worrying about the thing? Would you find a way to travel and have adventure? Okay, pray about adventure. Don't pray about the money. Pray about feeling okay. Don't pray about the money. Pray about what freedom feels like, what excitement about what it is to not know what's going to happen next and to be okay with that. Pray about that. Because money is details. Can it be okay with you that God is in charge of the details? That's the thing. That's what's being said in this prayer moment. Let it be okay with you that God knows better than you how to do it. Let God do it. Pray about adventure. Pray about excitement. Pray ooh, Pray about stepping into the unknown. And that's the hard part. Some people are afraid. If I get my dream to come true, then I don't know who I'm going to be because I'm so defined by my needs. By my drama, by my stuff. If I was really actualized or free or happy or laughing for a change, I don't know who I am. And so people settle back into the details. Well, I don't know how to do that unknown stuff, but I know about money, so I'm going to just pray for a big stack of it. I know about food and shelter, so I'm just going to pray about that. <sighs> Nothing ever happens. The prayer process gets short-circuited because God wants you to dream bigger. God wants you to be the exciting, beautiful, spontaneous, adventurous person that you are on the inside. And so it's time for bigger ideas. Like I said, it's okay to have needs. Remember in school when you, you had that one class where they talked about Maslow's hierarchy of needs? If you concentrate, you can remember that weird pyramid. And it's like food and shelter and self-esteem and I don't know, quality footwear. I can't remember. It's been a long time since I was in that class. Whatever it was. You know what I'm talking about, right? Maslow's hierarchy. It's great. It's important to have food and shelter and all that. That's fine. It's just not who you are. And here's how I know. Because the moment you have a truly mythological experience, 
all of those needs go out the window. The moment you fall in love, let's say, you don't care if you're hungry, you don't care about self-esteem, you'll stand out in the rain just like in the movies. The moment you have a spiritual breakthrough, you see something true or beautiful or noble, it doesn't matter what you need, you don't care anymore. And that is the moment when you become who you have always been. Pray to be that person. Pray to be the person who is okay. That's right. Pray to be the person who is okay with adventure, who is okay with art and truth and beauty. That's what we pray about. When we pray, we don't pray to stay the same. When we pray, we don't pray to change God's mind about us because remember, God loves you anyway you wouldn't want to. When we pray, we're not praying to give God a shopping list because God already knows that you need toilet paper or whatever, right? Here's what prayer is for. Prayer is the doorway into that mythological experience. Prayer is the doorway into adventure, the doorway into the unknown. Prayer is the moment where it's just you and God and none of that stuff that doesn't matter matters. That's why we pray, to have an audience with the Almighty. And stop worrying about what we got a coupon for. That's why we pray. And as it turns out, Jesus has given us the blueprint for prayer that works, and by extension, for a life that works. Strangely enough, I guess he didn't have good branding people. It's just called the Lord's Prayer. And we need to workshop that a little bit, I suppose, but it works. Now, there's a lot more to say about it. I could go way, way deeper. I'd do a whole seven-week class on just the Lord's Prayer, and even then we don't get into everything. But I can tell you right now, this morning, that there are three essential parts that He teaches us that if you have in your pocket, you will have prayer that works, and like I said, a life that works. You'll know how to get into this spiritual place, this mythological place, instead of being fixated on boring stuff. It's the beginning of adventure. Sound good? Good, I'm not going to wait for you to respond. Here we go. The key is three things. It has to do with unity of vision, unity of action, and unity of acceptance. Or put another way, there's no lack in what I see, and there's no lack in what I do, and there is no lack in what I celebrate. Or, as he said, even better, you got prayer down if you remember kingdom, power, and glory. If you got a little bit of kingdom and power and glory in your life, stuff tends to work. So let me have that prayer back up on the screen if I could. Chris, thank you. Thank you, Nana. Um, we just said it a couple minutes ago, but here it is again. These three things are here. So if we just do the first part, starting with our Father and ending in that word heaven, let's start, let's say that together. Together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the kingdom part. That's the part that has to do with what you see. Prayer doesn't start with what you say. Prayer starts with what you're okay with. Prayer starts with your context, with your paradigm. Start with the idea that, you know what, this is all God happening. That whatever is happening in your life, it comes from God, our Father. You want to pray about forgiveness? Start by remembering our Father. That you and me and that so-and-so <laughs> came from the same daddy. Start there. Our Father. Whatever is happening in your life, the people you want to get along with, the people that you don't, our Father. 
Whatever is happening in your life, your possessions, your stuff, your bills, it all comes from the same place. The idea is that it all belongs to God. I start with that vision and my prayer is going to go in a good direction. Our Father who art in heaven. Well, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is in your midst, in your heart. So where is God? If I start my prayer with the idea that I'm throwing pennies at God's window, I'm going to have limited results. But if our Father, the source of everything, is right here, that's different. Can you live your life in some little way with the idea that the source of everything good is right where you are, that you don't have to strive anymore, you just have to allow what happens to your prayer? And then that hallowed be thy name, that part is the idea that if it's all God, then everything is me talking to God and everything is important. I want you to know that you're important. I want you to know that the desires in your heart, the things that you say are important right now. Your striving, your dreams, your celebrations, they're important. They're holy. Hallowed be thy name. And also, hallowed be thy name is another way of saying, you know what, God? I see you. It's that I found Waldo moment. There it is. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, let God be in charge here in actual as well as in potential. In my heart and in my life. And that takes us into the next part. Because the thing is, it's great to start with the vision of God. It's the beginning of a lot, and a lot of people don't have that part in their prayer. But the question is, what are you going to do about it? In fact, that's the question for a lot of things. When you're watching TV, and you're watching a political ad, or you're watching a thing, or you're having a conversation, or you're on a date, or you're in church, ask yourself, great, what am I supposed to do about this? Because if there's no behavioral imperative, as they say, what's the point? You can go a lot of places on a Sunday morning where they got great music and the person will come up on stage and talk about how awesome they are. And it's cool. You can celebrate. Wow, they are cool. Wow, they did that thing. Amazing. Wow. But if they don't give you something to do with your life, you didn't go to church. You just got entertained. And I love entertainment, but I'm interested in church. What am I going to do about this information? Ask yourself that question. Ask it of your life. Ask it of how you spend your time. And yeah, ask it of your relationships. And yeah, ask it of your church. What am I going to do about it? And so this is the action part. This is how I behave. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven is the last part. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. All right, so how does that explain what I do? I want to give you a visual. Remember in the psalm where it says, my cup runneth over? Think of that image. If you're a parent, it's probably a nightmare image because something has been spilled and you now have to clean something, but we're going to get over that together. Think what it is to have that moment where you are overflowing. Look for those moments. Do you know what it is when you fall in love with a person or a thing or an activity? It's like, this is just too big, too cool, too amazing, too fun. Or even, I'm so emotional and sad that my old container can't even deal with this anymore. Positive or negative, let life be defined by moments where our cup runneth over. And in our prayer process, that first part is, I see God happening. And I see God happening. And I see God happening to the point where I can't even contain it anymore. Let 
your cup be overflowed into the point where you can't shut up about it, where you've got to do something. That's action. And we are given this day our daily bread. In other words, we're taken care of. This isn't a gluten-centric doctrine. The idea is that whatever it is that you need, God takes care of. Remember, Jesus is kind of the bread guy. There's a lot of bread-related miracles, a lot of bread-related talk over and over again. Bread's happening. Obviously, it's not just about bread. This is a symbol for whatever it is that you need. If it is in your life, God gives it to you. So I'm not going to worry about it anymore. And more to the point, just for today. This day, our daily bread. The prayer is not, God, can you please buy me a bakery? God, can you please just set me loose in the bread aisle at Publix? God, can you just let me know that I can feel secure in all of it? No, it's daily bread. And here's why that's important. Many years ago, my family and I were working on some money stuff, and it just wasn't working out very well. Everybody had big dreams, but we couldn't figure out how to make it work. It was rough. And I don't know where I got the number. I guess seven is a great number because there's that many dwarves and that many days and all kinds of stuff. But I just decided that if I could just run into seven million dollars, that everything would be okay. Don't worry, this isn't Will Roberts. I'm not going to ask you for seven million dollars. That's not what we're going. You can relax. We gotta build that tower. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I just fixated on it. I just decided. You ever do that where it just that just made sense to me? Seven million bucks. And I would think, gosh, if I could just win the lottery or if somebody would hand it to me, or what if I just found a bag of money? You know, that kind of thing. I would have that and I would play that tape in my head just about every day. And just about every day in those quiet moments where I'm driving the car, brushing my teeth or whatever, I would spend that money. I would go, okay, 10%, $700,000 go to the church, and I'd give this much money to the kids, and then I'd pay that thing off, and we'd do that, and it would be okay, and then we'd live off the interest, you know, that kind of moment. Yeah, live off the interest, that explosive set Where it's all going to be okay, because i got a big stack of money in the bank. And I thought I was doing it right, because we're taught to visualize, right? We're taught to just really feel how it feels to have that, and, and yet... I was doing this little exercise, and I didn't even do it on purpose. It was just so much fun to think about. I was doing it, and the more I did it, the worse our financial situation got. And it was getting scary. And I couldn't figure it out for a long time. And, okay, God, what? I'm, I'm visualizing this money I'm thinking about. I can't quit thinking about it to the point where it's irritating to other people. We've got to play the lottery. It's, it's over $7 million. Maybe after taxes, probably $7 million. $7 million blah, 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 blah. Stop and in fact, the universe was telling me, stop. Because finally in my prayer time of just, okay, God, I don't know. Which is what needed to happen at the beginning. Sometimes it takes us a while to get there and get out of God's way. It came to me very clearly. What is it that you want the money for? Well, if I get that much money, I won't have to worry. Where's your faith? The voice said to me in a way. Well, my faith is that if I have a big sack of money at Bank of America, I won't have to worry anymore. Wait a minute, where's your faith? Instead of faith that God takes care of me, instead of faith in myself, in my dreams, in my God, I have faith in an institution. As it turned out, $7 million is how much it costs for me to not have faith. Because I believe in the things instead of in the spirit happening in me. 
And I went, oh, okay, God, I get it. I'm sorry. I found myself apologizing to God in that moment. But instead of praying about a certain amount, I began to pray about the things I would do with it. I began to pray about not worrying anymore. If I had that much money, I would go celebrate things with my kids. So I just started celebrating things with my kids. If I had that much money, I'd, I'd quit this and I'd go start a church. Well, here you are. You start doing the thing. And God takes care of the needs. If you do it the other way, it will get worse and worse and worse until you give up. It has to do with getting rid of the thought of debt in your life. And there's that next line. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now that seems weird. And actually I had somebody come in one time and say, I don't like that word debt. Can we change that in the Lord's Prayer? Well, you know, I don't know where you went to Sunday school. Some people say trespasses or whatever. That's fine. We know that Jesus didn't speak English. So it's okay if there's translation stuff. But somebody said, I don't want to use the word debt because I don't like the idea that it's about money. Well, I said, look at that. Where does money come in? I think you brought that. you got money stuff. I can't fix that. In fact, maybe we need to really work on that word and drill down until you get past it. Jesus didn't say, forgive those who owe us 30 bucks. <laughs> Because they hadn't invented Venmo yet or whatever. Forgive that. No, that's not what it's about. Money is a tiny little piece of that idea, just like money is a tiny little piece of what life is. We need to get over it if we're going to prosper. Bigger dreams, right? No, debt just means absence. Debt means an interruption in the flow. Debt means a crater in my life. Debt means a problem, a hole, a vacuum. If you want your life to work, you must eliminate the idea of somebody owing somebody something. Think about it. Nobody owes you gravity. Gravity just happens. Nobody owes you the sunrise. The sun, it just rises. Anything important. Nobody owes you love. If you've got to go collect on love, that ain't love anymore. It's something weird. Love just happens. Everything important in the world just happens. It's not ever a matter of somebody owes somebody something else. So get rid of that idea and start living differently. And I love the fact that we've got to be proactive. We've already forgiven our debts. If you want to be respected, start being respectful. If you want to be a star, start learning how to applaud other people. If you want to be celebrated, celebrate something. If you want to be loved, learn how to love. If you want somebody else to get over it, you go first. That's how this works. It is about eliminating the idea of absence in your heart. And watch how that affects you. So, no lack in what I see, no lack in how I behave. And now, here's the tough part. Let's say the rest of it together. It starts with and lead together. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And some people say, well, God doesn't lead us into temptation. And I say, exactly. That's the point. If it's God, it doesn't lead you into that. This is the test. That thing you do, does it tempt you to be less than who you are? Does it tempt you to give in to ego or, or codependency and dysfunction? Does it tempt you to step back into something that seems safe but isn't true? Then it ain't God, so quit. And deliver us from evil. Ooh, you guys talk about how there's only God everywhere. What about that evil thing? Do you believe in evil? Yes, because I watch the news. 
Yes, because I've done some profoundly horrible things in my own life. Yes, I believe in evil, but what I don't believe in is an opposite of God. That's different. You can write 2 plus 2 equals 5 all day. It doesn't mean that math is wrong. It doesn't mean that I was tempted by the anti-math. That's a great cop-out in school. Can you imagine in grade school saying, I'm sorry, teacher, the anti-math stepped in. It's a great cop-out. And it's a silly thing to do, but there are people that do it as grown-ups. Oh, no, it was my shadow self, or my inner child was having a tantrum, or the devil made me do it, or whatever. Forget it. Do your math better. That's all. No blame, no anger even. We forgive it, but fix it. Go do it better. Yes, of course there's evil, but it's not the opposite of God. It's just people using the power and potential they have to write the equivalent of 2 plus 2 equals 5 in their life. Let's get over it. People say, well, I like to say, deliver me from error. And I will own that I don't get that. Never did. I grew up saying that. And it never made any sense to me. Because I don't want to be delivered from my errors. I want to, when I make a mistake, I want to make the mistake so I can learn from it. Don't deliver it. Don't fix it for me. I want to fix it. I want to experience my errors so that I can grow through my error. The kind of people who don't want to have their errors are the kind of people that just do the same thing over and over and over again in their lives and they never change. I want to be changed by my life even when I mess up. And Lord knows I will mess up because I'm just a human being trying to figure this out. And it's okay. Because no matter how I mess up, it's not the opposite of God. Because God's is the kingdom and the power, and the glory. Whatever happens in your life, it belongs to God. What happens if you treat that car, that job, that relationship like it's on loan from spirit? Maybe you wash your car. <laughs> Maybe you treat it differently. That person, that house, that possession. What if that relationship that I don't even like, with that so-and-so at work, what if God put it there? Maybe I treat it differently. But also, maybe it's okay when it's time to release it. If that car belongs to God anyway... Is it okay that I move on from that and get something different? Yeah, thank you, God, for the time. It was great, but now something else. Okay, I'm cool with that. If it belongs to God and I treat it like it belongs to God, life gets easier. For thine is the kingdom and the power because no matter what is happening, it is God happening. Can you see your life that way? Because the moment you do, things get better. And the glory. Take a minute. Every day, try it. Every day. Celebrate something. Try it every day. Take a minute and say, you know what? I don't even know, God. Thank you. Celebrate that. Celebrate the good parking space, the good hair day, the moment. Celebrate whatever it is. Celebrate it because it's God's. Give the glory there. Nobody in this room, <laughs> if I have the power to forbid anybody anything, I don't have the devil. I don't even have guilt, but I'm going to try anyway. Nobody in this room gets to say, oh, I was lucky. Oh, that was great. We were so lucky. I do not believe in absences in the universe. Let us remove the debt idea from ourselves. Say, thank you, God. God happened in that moment. If it's happening, it's God happening. Prayer is not the process of changing God. Prayer is not the process of petitioning Him to be nice to us. Prayer is not delivering a shopping list of needs because God already knows. Prayer is the process of entering into a mythological place where we are part of that amazing, unknown, adventurous life. You want healing? This is how. You want life? This is how. You want freedom? This is how. Because, after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you very much.
This is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for listening to that Sunday lesson, and I want to thank you for being part of our virtual church family. If you'd like to know more about what we're doing at Water and Stone Church, the easiest thing to do is go to our website, waterandstonechurch.com. There's all kinds of amazing content. There's blog posts and videos and other episodes of this podcast and just all kinds of great things. And especially there's a calendar of events. We're always doing amazing uh, service projects in the community, all kinds of classes and services. Go to our website and find out how you can be a part of it. You can also text I am ready to 84576. That's all one word, I A M R E A D Y to 84576. It's a great way to get a once a week message about what we're up to. That's how we do our newsletter and special events and stuff like that. It's a great way to be in the loop. This podcast and everything that we do at Water and Stone is supported by you. And what that means is there's a lot of little things you can do to help us keep the lights on around here. If you go to the website, once again, waterandstonechurch.com, you can find out how to give electronically. You can find out how to shop at Amazon in such a way that benefits the church at no extra cost to you. Really and truly, though, the best way to support what we're doing is to help spread the word. Repost this. Tweet it. Like it on Facebook. Find our social media accounts on Instagram and Twitter. We've got two amazing YouTube channels. Go find those and like and subscribe and share. That's huge for us. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, iTunes or whatever, please give us a five-star review. That really helps as well. But at the end of the day, there's nothing like being there with us in person. Come join us at 11 a.m. every Sunday at the beautiful Harbor Hall. That's part of the University of South Florida's St. Pete campus. The street address is 1000 3rd Street South in St. Petersburg, Florida. Every Sunday at 11 a.m., there is a sense of family, a feeling of community, an uplifting lesson, music like you've never heard anywhere, and a life-changing message. It's time for a new life for you and a new world for all of us.